Welcome, um, and happy Easter. Um, just what a joyous day we get to celebrate um, that the Lord is risen. Um, so, yeah, first off, um, yeah, anyways, in this time, uh, we are just distant physically. Um, we just wanted to make sure that, though we're distant physically, that we are keeping track of what is going on with you um, and making sure that we're communicating um, the most up-to-date information that we can with you. Um, so in regards to that side of things, um, if you're in need of any assistance um, through this time of just a lot of craziness, um, or if you want to bless others by serving, um, continuously go to wwwgraceb 3 dot uh, org backslash action um, there is constantly um, just updated and just paid attention to of looking in those inquiries that come in um, and we just want to make sure that we um, meet you where the needs are or be able to give more um, more assistance this past week um, we have done a specific donation request um, for just this time of need that we know is going to happen. And so we've just asked for um, for the congregation to raise funds for this need. Um, and as of right now, we are over $17,000, um, which is just such a huge blessing to see. Um, the church body is more than just finances, but right now finances is something that's really important, um, just with uncertainties. And so that's just a huge blessing. Um, with that, we are actually going to be able to divide it in between the three local food banks in this area. And for the food banks, it will be about um, two months worth of meals for a family. Or two months, that's like for 80 families. So two months for 80 families um, to feed them, as well as um, supporting more than 25 families for our congregation as well. So that is just a huge blessing um, in this time. Um, and so I just thank you. Thank you so much for giving, um, yeah, your resources. Um, so with this, we also want to keep um, encouraging one another, um, even if we're not physically able to. We want to just be able to be together and connect as much as possible. So um, this week after Jason gets done with the sermon, feel free to go to graceb3.org. So www.graceb3.org backslash Easter 20. Um, and you can fill out a form there, and next week either staff or lay elders will um, connect with you, um, and some volunteers as well will connect with you. Um, and we just really want to be a church that continuously connects um, during this time, even if it's a phone call, a video chat, emails, uh, we just want to be connecting with you, um, even though we can't see you face-to-face. -face. We don't want to lose that, um, knowing what's going on in your life. Um, so I'm also going to read scripture today. Um, so we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Um, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, but those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who are, have fallen asleep. 
For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the Lord, word of the Lord. Hello, it's great to be with you all for Easter. Thank you for spending part of your Easter holiday with us. We're so glad that you have tuned in here to um, hear this word from the Lord, and we believe that he has a word for each of us here this morning. As you know, this is uh, Easter that's very strange. It feels very strange. Um, Typically, we have an Easter choir, and we have special Easter music, and um, there's lots of people together, Um, but it's a a very strange Easter for all of us, really, and so... um, We believe that even though we didn't know that a worldwide pandemic was coming and that we would be in Old Brick here um, with no congregation in it for Easter, uh, we believe that back in January when we started this series through the book of 1 Thessalonians, that God knew exactly what situation we would be in on Easter. And so when we laid out our series through First Thessalonians, we laid it out and we determined what scripture we would talk about when and kind of broke it down and decided which week would be uh, which scripture topic. And as we did, we started to look ahead to Easter. And normally when we're going through a series, we get to Easter and we just take a break from our series. We preach on Easter things, the resurrection, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And then we jump back into our series. Well, by God's divine providence, as we laid out 1 Thessalonians, the scripture that fell on this Easter Sunday is the scripture that Victoria just read for us, and we believe it has great relevance for us on Easter. Not only that, but we believe that as hard as it may be that Easter is falling right now in a time of social distancing, in a time of fear and worry, we believe that God has a message for us through his word on Easter. And in some ways, it's even appropriate that Easter would fall during this time that's very difficult for you and me, for our country, and even for our world. So I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump into God's Word today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from you today. And God, that is what we want to do. We want to hear from you. God, we pray that you would speak your Word. We pray for a word of comfort. We pray for a word of peace. We pray for your truth for us in this, our time of need. God, I pray that you would use these words uh, for each one that is watching this sermon. God, give me your words. I want to speak your words here today. God, we pray that you would do something that only you could do today. God, encourage us, give us peace, give us even a joy that could only come from your work in our life and is obviously not based on our circumstances. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So open up your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians, uh, or 
click over to your, your Bible app as you're watching this, and we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to take a look at a few verses here and talk about its relevance for us uh, in the time we find ourselves in. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Okay, so let's try to figure out what Paul is talking about here. This letter is written to a church in a uh, city called Thessalonica, hence the name Thessalonians. And Paul is writing to this church, and he's writing to them because he didn't get enough time with them. He wasn't able to spend as much time with them as he planned on spending. As we look at the book of Acts and we see the story of how the church was formed after the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus— As we take a look at that, we see that Paul and the other apostles were actually run out of town for preaching the gospel. So they did not get to finish their full discipleship plan with this church in Thessalonica. So Paul is writing this letter to finish up the things that he wanted to communicate to the church in Thessalonica. And in each chapter in 1 Thessalonians, the return of Christ is mentioned. This seems to be one of the primary things that this church missed out on, and so Paul is writing to them to catch them up on the return of Christ. And this was not just a generic concern that they had. It was a specific concern that they had. It seems, from the scriptures that we read in 1 Thessalonians, that this church was concerned that their loved ones that had died— would die, and then Jesus would come back, and those who were alive would be with Jesus, but those who had died before Jesus came would not be reunited with their loved ones and would not be united with Christ. That's one of the primary reasons that Paul is writing this letter to begin with. Things did not go according to plan for Paul, first off, because he had planned on doing this full program of discipleship with this church— but instead he got run out of town. Things had not gone according to plan for this church because they were excited about the return of Christ. They were excited about Jesus going to be with Father but saying, I'm coming again. But things had not gone according to plan because their loved ones had died before Jesus came back. So things did not go according to plan for Paul and things did not go according to plan for the church. The church had friends and family die before Jesus came back. So Paul is writing a word to them to help them when things have not gone according to plan. So here from the get-go, we can relate with this scripture. Not only has Easter not gone according to plan, but not much of anything has gone according to plan for you and me in the times we find ourselves in. None of us planned on coming to April and not being able to go to work, not being able to go to the coffee shop, not being able to go and sit in a restaurant, not being able to see grandma and grandpa, not being able to gather together as a church family on Easter of all weeks. So right away, we are in the middle of this text. Paul is writing to a people where things have not gone according to plan, and they are grieving Because they know Jesus is coming back, but their loved ones have died and they fear that they're going to miss out. 
So what Paul has for them is not just a cheery, well, everything's going to be okay, or, hey, at least you get to be with Jesus. He has more than that for them. He has more than a cheery, it's going to be okay. He wants them to grieve the loss of their loved ones, but he wants them to grieve in a particular way. He wants them to grieve, what does the scripture say? With hope. And he says that we don't grieve. We who are in Christ, followers of Christ, we don't grieve the way others grieve. We grieve with hope. Now that's important to think about how we grieve. When we go to a funeral, it's always a sad thing. No matter how well we knew the person or what age the person is, a funeral is a sad thing. But there's a difference between going to a funeral with hope and going to a funeral with no hope. He's saying there's different ways to grieve. And here's where it really hits home for all of us. No matter what your current religious beliefs are, or if you believe a word I'm saying right now, here's where it really hits home. You can go to a funeral for someone that you believe was an atheist, or maybe you're an atheist yourself and you don't believe in God, you don't believe in an afterlife, you don't believe the things that we're talking about here today, but you can go to a funeral of someone that lived a good long life, was a generous person that had a big, happy family. And even if you think there's no afterlife, you can be excited about how that person lived their life. And you can be thankful for that person. And you can, in solidarity, grieve with the people around you. But what about when death comes for someone far too early? What about when you take your loved one to the hospital thinking that they're having trouble breathing and a few days later they die in a hospital room by themselves and you can only say goodbye through FaceTime. What happens then? How do you grieve that? How do you grieve that with hope? Well, Paul's about to give them some instructions about how to grieve. He's going to give them permission to grieve but he's going to tell them they can do it with hope. Take a look at verse 14 with me. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Paul is saying a lot in one verse and in one sentence here, so let's break it down. He's saying you can grieve with hope because of something that happened in reality. Not just a hope or a wish or a a religious precept. He's saying because of an actual historical physical event, you can grieve with hope. And that actual historical concrete event that took place is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus, though perfect, though righteous, though always doing the will of the Father, dies a sinner's death, dies a criminal's death. He is hung on a cross for claiming to be God. And then three days later, he shows that he was God by rising from the dead. Jesus, when he died, he didn't die for no reason. He didn't die just at the hands of evil people. Jesus died for sins. Jesus died so that we could be healed. Jesus took death in our place. 
And then Jesus rose again. But he laid in the grave for three days. And as he is being brutally murdered in front of friends and family and followers, those who are watching him die think this is not going according to plan. Those that loved him, those that followed him, those that believed he was God, they must have looked at him on that cross and said, this isn't how it's supposed to end. This isn't how it's supposed to go down. And as he laid there dead in the tomb, with the heavy stone rolled in front, they must have been thinking, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. Isaiah chapter 53 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Paul is saying that we can have hope even in our grief because of what happened to Jesus. And it's not just that he died for our sins, he also rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, he proved to be God, and he also showed us that we can have victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 actually tells us that the last enemy that he will defeat is death. His death on the cross in our place, when he did that, he defeated sin. But when he returns once and for all, he will defeat his last enemy, and that last enemy is death. He came to defeat death and the enemy, and he will once and for all someday. And then he says, I will come again. And we're reading here that he will bring those with him that have already died, but have received forgiveness for their sins. Will it be good to see our loved ones again? Will the church in Thessalonica be glad to see their loved ones again? Of course. But that's not all the good news that Paul has for them. He tells them they can grieve with hope because Jesus died and rose again, showing that we can have victory over sin, victory over death because of what Christ did for us. And he tells them you can grieve with hope But part of that hope is the fact that Jesus will come again and he will bring those with him who have already died. Look with me at verses 15 through 17. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be always with the Lord. Here in this text, when it says that they will, we will go to meet them and they will meet us in the air. That word meet that Paul uses here in Greek, the original language that the New Testament is written in, that word meet, it is a word that was used for uh, a city that would come out in uh, great pageantry to welcome in a dignitary or a conquering king 
It was for honored guests. The entire town, the entire city would go out and welcome in a guest that was coming to town. And it was with great pageantry, great fanfare and celebration. Paul is saying that's what it will be like when God and his people come back for those of us who are still alive. Here, in this language, many people have used these verses to try to figure out the mechanics of exactly what it looks like when Jesus comes back. That's not what Paul is intending here. What Paul is intending to do here is not explain for us the exact mechanics of when or how Jesus will come back. If we're trying to do that, then we're not understanding what he's trying to say here. He is writing to a church that is in grief, they are in fear, they are being marginalized in their culture, they're hurting, they're grieving that their loved ones have died and Christ has not yet returned. So Paul's purpose for writing them is not to figure out the mechanics of Jesus' return. Paul's point in writing this to the church in Thessalonica is to remind them of the fact that Jesus would return. The fact that he would return. The fact that his kingdom was coming. Look at the text with me in verses 15 and 16. Even just right there in verse 16, we see these three things that will take place at the return of Christ. It says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with three things. A cry of command the voice of an archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God. These are three things that take place in the Old Testament when God is appearing, when God is coming, when the divine is coming to interact with mankind. These are the three things that happen when that takes place in the Old Testament, and Paul is writing all of those things will happen. This will be a great moment of meeting the Lord in the air, and no one can miss it. No one's going to miss it. We're all going to be aware that this is the moment that we will be reunited with our Savior. He is trying to encourage them with the fact of the second coming, and it will be a can't-miss event. Right here on this very stage, uh, I found out that uh, Hillary Clinton, when she was Uh, campaigning for president. She stood on this very stage. Actually, they came in and built a stage of their own around this one. Uh, But it was something that you could miss. They announced it at the last moment uh, for security reasons, and you're not sure what's going on. And so I told people, hey, Hillary Clinton was in my office today, and so I couldn't be there because they kicked everyone out. That's something that you can miss even when you're in town and a presidential candidate comes to town, as is so common here in Iowa and especially Iowa City. When Jesus returns, it's a can't-miss event. It's not something you're going to miss. You're going to know that the, the divine, he that is God, is coming to gather his church. And with him will be those who have already passed away. And his kingdom will come. In the Lord's Prayer, when we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done, that will be fulfilled in that moment. And in fact, that prayer, that part of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, it's actually a grieving moment of lament. 
Because as we look around us, whether it's during a world pandemic or not, as we look around at our world, as we look around at our church, as we look around at our family, as we look around at our lives, we see that it does not match up with God's kingdom. His ways, his values, our lives honoring God and loving one another, we fail to do that all the time. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, it is a moment of lament. It is a moment of grieving with hope. It is saying, his kingdom hasn't come, but we need it to come. Paul is saying, your kingdom, God, will come. He is telling the church, his kingdom will come. So hold on. Hold on when you are marginalized. Hold on when you are persecuted. Hold on when you are imprisoned. Hold on when you die for the very name of Christ. Hold on, church, when you are scattered and can't meet for Easter, because his kingdom will come. Look with me at verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Catch this. And so we will always be with the Lord. That's the goal of all of this. To be with the Lord. Will it be great to see those who are in Christ that have died before us? Yes. Will it be great to get new bodies instead of these broken down things we walk around in? Yes. Will it be great to deliver, be delivered from the power of sin? Yes. Will it be great that God will once and for all banish all pandemics? Yes. But the best part, the end goal, what it really means for the kingdom of God to come is us always being with the Lord. He is the prize. He is the one we are after. He is the one that we want and we need. And with the presence of the Lord, there is always deliverance. When the Lord is at hand, when the kingdom of God comes to bear, there is deliverance from sin. There is deliverance from cancer. There is deliverance from pandemic. There is deliverance from the bondage of the flesh. There is deliverance from addiction. There is deliverance from every kind of suffering and sin. Where the spirit and presence of the Lord is, there is always deliverance. So, what can we learn from this passage? What do we learn? Number one, things do not go according to plan. Things do not go according to the Lord's perfect will. Things do not go according to his kingdom. Things do not go according to our plan. Things happen. Even in this advanced age of science and technology, things happen that literally shut down our world. Things do not go according to plan. And God, in those moments, can come and speak to us and say, no, things didn't go according to your plan. And things didn't go according to my plan. But in those moments, we can know that Though they are not according to God's perfect will and his kingdom come, he is sovereign and he is in control and he can be with us here and now. 
Things do not go according to plan. And in those moments, the second thing we can learn is that we can and should grieve. But we can and should grieve with hope. The amazing thing about Jesus, the Savior of the world, hanging on a cross, is that in that very moment, the worst injustice that has ever taken place in all of humanity, in all of history, the worst injustice that took place, in that very moment, God was accomplishing his purposes. We can grieve. We can say it's awful that people are dying all over the world. It's terrible that people are dying well before their time. It is terrible that when we look at our world, we still see injustice. We still see racism. We still see inequality. We still see the things that we see in our lives and in our world, and we should grieve those things. It's okay to be sad that you didn't get to do Easter egg hunt with grandma this year. It's okay to grieve that we didn't get to sing and raise our voices with our church family. It's okay to look at this situation with a pandemic and say, I hate this because it is awful. But we can grieve with hope. And in not just some kind of cheery, sprinkle some Jesus on it, everything's going to be okay, God has a plan in the end. No, none of that bumper sticker mumbo jumbo. We can grieve with hope because of the fact of the death burial, resurrection, ascension, and soon return of Jesus. We can grieve with hope. Number three, what do we learn from this passage? Our life is in need of resurrection. We need his resurrection power now, today. We need his help. I have a four-year-old. He's my youngest of four boys. Something interesting about three four-year-olds I found with boys. I've got all boys, so that's all I know. Maybe it's a different age for girls. But when boys hit three or four, they get into this mode where they're like, I got this. So they start trying to do everything on their own. They try to pour milk out of the big gallon jug. They try to put their clothes on by themselves. They try to get themselves food. They try to use a drill. They try to do all kinds of things by themselves. And you cannot try to intervene. If I try to intervene and help them, even though I obviously see the disaster that's about to take place, if I try to intervene, they lash out. They say, no, I can do it myself. They will struggle, they will whine, they will get away from me, they will physically swat at me, kick at me, because they can do it themselves. I just sit and watch. Once in a while, they'll get it right and they'll feel pretty good about themselves. Because, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, a broken clock's right twice a day, all that. But more often than not, they end up getting frustrated and they need to start over. And they need my help. This is what our life is like most of the time. 
we struggle and we try to overcome things and we try to overcome obstacles. We try to get past hard things. We try to overcome our sin. We try to get through things that are difficult for us. And then we're like, okay, God, I guess I'll pray. I guess I'll ask for your help. I guess I'll admit my need for you. I guess I'll ask for my daily bread. And then God, in his forbearance and in his grace and in his faithfulness and in his mercy, he still helps us. Now is not one of those times. We're in the midst of a worldwide problem. We're in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. I've got friends on multiple continents right now that are in lockdown. All of us are social distancing. All of us are fearful to differing degrees. All of us are in a situation where we can't get ourselves out of it. We need God's help now more than ever. Haven't you been so aware of that lately? Haven't you been so aware of your need Haven't we had so many moments lately where we're just like, I'm falling apart. I'm so fearful. I'm so worried. I'm so angry. I'm so anxious. There's so many reasons why we're experiencing that right now. But bottom line is we see that we are in need and we need help. One of the reasons that this social distancing is so difficult is that we have to confront the reality of what is going on in our mind, in our spirit, and in our body. We can't numb it away, entertain it away, stay busy enough to make it go away. We just see it. It's gnawing at us in the back of our mind. We often think we just need a little bit of help from God, or maybe we don't need God at all. And we just distract ourselves when we see ourselves in need. Right now, we feel like we need something major to change, or we are going to lose our minds. We need a resurrection. We need an intervention that only God can provide. Where do you need resurrection today? Not just a little bit of help, not a little bit of self-help or good advice or a blog post or one church service or a little bit of Jesus there, a little bit of Jesus there. No, what do you need in your life? Where do you need a resurrection today? What do you look at in your life? What do you look at in your circumstances? What do you look at in your relationships and in your own heart? And you say, that's dead That is dead if something doesn't change. Where do you need a resurrection today? Jesus says, I'm the resurrection. I am the life. We see in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus that he has overcome death. And his spirit can live inside of you today. And we're told in the book of Romans that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave now lives in us and is giving life to our mortal body right here, right now. Where do you need his resurrection power today? And lastly, what do we learn from this passage? Death is not the end of the story. We see here Paul used this language of those who have fallen asleep. The Old and the New Testament uses this phrase for those that have died. It says they have fallen asleep. 
What's the goal, the eventual actuality of someone that's fallen asleep? They wake up. It's God communicating to us, and it's the writers of the Bible communicating us to us, and it's the church throughout history communicating to us that when others die or we die, it's just the beginning of the story. When Jesus died, it was just the beginning of the story. Jesus had merely just fallen asleep, but up from the grave he arose. So as others pass away, as others die untimely deaths, as we may lose our very lives, or if there's just things spiritually, relationally in our life that just seem dead, it's not the end of the story. You may feel like right now there's no hope. Maybe for your life, maybe for your safety, maybe for a relationship that you're in, maybe you feel like there's no hope. It's not the end of the story. Even if your very life is taken from you today, if you are in Christ, if he has died for your sins, if you see your need for him, then you can have resurrection life today. You can have his spirit living inside of you, and that glorious day when the Father does return, either you will come with him or you will be on this earth and be united to him. Death is not the end of the story. What we need is we need resurrection power, and we need it to be in a can't-miss fashion. And when Jesus returns, you can't miss it. It will be something you cannot miss. His return will not be a secret. It will be God breaking into mankind, not in a subtle way like when Jesus came. Jesus, born in a stable, his first bed was the trough that they fed animals from. He came in a subtle way. He came as a servant king. He came as a humble savior. Not next time. Next time Jesus comes, he will bring his church with him. We will be united with him. We will be reunited with those who have fallen asleep. And he will reign and rule on an earthly throne. And it will be a can't-miss event. The good news of Easter allows us to stare into the face of life's most difficult challenges even death itself, and say, the story isn't over yet. There's one more verse in our text today, verse 18. It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Words. Encourage one another with these words. We, as a church, want to do that for you this week. We want to encourage you with the words of who Jesus is. So if you will go to the web link that Victoria um, mentioned to you and is in the slides and on the screen now, you will see that link, graceb3.org backslash Easter 20, and you fill out a very quick form where you give us your basic info so we can contact you if you so desire. And then there's some boxes. There's five different choices where you can just indicate what your understanding of Jesus is today. We want you to be honest about where you're at. And as you fill that out, we would love to get in contact with you to answer any questions you may have, encourage you, get you connected to a biblical community around you, pray for you. We have pastors, volunteers, staff, lay people that want to reach out to you this week.
fill out that form, and we would love to be in contact with you. Besides that, you can also encourage one another right now, right here on the Facebook group, below the video, you can comment, and you can just share what encouraged you today. Share what is encouraging you in this season where there's so much discouragement. Share how Christ is encouraging you with his power. We want to do what the scriptures are telling us here. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Another way that you can do that is in two weeks, we are going to have our next theological forum. This is something we do on a regular basis at the downtown church. It's going to be on April 26th, and it's going to be um, on video. So you'll be able to see that. We're going to have our panel on a Zoom video. We're going to record that video, and we're going to post it at 6.30 on Sunday evening, April 26th. So you can uh, do our watch party where you watch the sermon, and then at 6.30 you can watch our theological forum where members of our biblical community are going to be talking about how we can encourage one another as we study and share God's word with one another. So those are some follow-up steps you can take and ways that you can be encouraged and encourage others with your words. Let's pray. God, thank you for the reality of Easter. Thank you for what you have done for us. God, I pray that you would work in your mighty power today. God, we pray that those who are grieving would now be able to grieve with hope because of what you, Jesus, have done for them. We thank you for the fact of your death, your burial, your resurrection, your ascension, and your soon return. We long for the day of the Lord and your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.